to the Moon Talks podcast. I'm your humble host, King Matt. Welcome back after a little two-week break. You know, I had to get rearranged, reorganized, had to reset my mental health. And I am glad to be back with all of you guys. I want to thank you for all the support, all the messages and all the DMs I've gotten just checking up on me and making sure that I'm A-OK and straight. I appreciate all of you guys. So much has happened in the world in general, sports, politically, fashion, whatever, everything in the last couple of weeks. So it is my pleasure to be back with all of you uh, for another episode of the Moon Talks podcast. We got a lot to get into. Met Gala, uh, the sensational Layla Fernandez story. What a story, Layla Fernandez and Felix, of course. Uh, Want to get into the baby, uh, getting right back into the thick of things, releasing a lot of new music, a lot of dope visuals. Uh, new track with Lil Wayne goes crazy. And also, like any of you guys would be surprised, I cannot go an epi- this episode without talking about my boy, CR7, the GOAT of soccer, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's um, shocking, I, I want to say shocking, but we'll say remarkable return to uh, my boyhood club, Manchester United. What a story it was, what a story it's been so far. Let's get right into it. As you all know, the Met Gala, the Met Gala uh, was on Sunday night, I believe. Was it Sunday night? Was the Met Gala on Sunday night? No, the Met Gala was on Monday. The Met Gala was on Monday night. As you know, everyone gathers together for this wonderful fashion and, you know, gathering with all these celebrities and all these, you know, musicians and whatnot. Every year, there's always talk of who stole the show, fashion-wise, who should go back home, change, and maybe never show their face at a Met Gala again. And then you have the political statements made this year by Miss AOC herself, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who wore a white dress that, in red, wrote, Tax the Rich. I don't know the brand of the gown, nor do I care. Uh, about anything that represents her, but I thought that was an interesting caveat. Uh, Kanye West and Kim Kardashian can only do what Kim Kardashian and Kanye West do, which is just be in all black, not see their face. How they were able to see and walk is beyond me. Probably had some killer lenses under those black gowns and dresses and outfits. But uh, yeah, Kim Kardashian and Kanye came in all black. Uh, Kim Kardashian had her eyes. Everything was folded black, black, black. Uh, So if you want any insight into how their lives and relationship is going uh, lately, you can just look at their fashion statement at the Met Gala. But there was a lot of interesting pieces. Uh, Naomi Osaka pulled off a really nice dress that kind of went with her hair, kind of like an outgoing, uh, almost like a red thick braidish but design while sticking up i don't know how to describe it but a lot of a lot of interesting dresses uh olympia uh olympian simon simone biles had a three in one 88 pound gown 88 pounds this almost reminds me of the i don't know if you guys remember the fight with the the deontay wilder and tyson fury where he actually said after the fight his the gown and the outfit was so heavy that he was dead tired when he walked into the ring. It almost felt like that. It almost felt like she had a condo, like she was dressed in like the basement of a condo. 88 pounds. Anyways, the Met Gala. I'm not gonna spend too much time talking about it. Um, Billie Eilish uh, 
wore a very intriguing dress. I don't really know the whole backstory of it, but she made a company promise to stop wearing, uh, stop making fur materials in order to model that dress for the Met Gala, and they agreed. Uh, she eventually did change into a red Oscar de la Rente cape dress later on in the night when they were, you know, doing their performances and announcements. But I thought it was a pretty big political statement and just a wildlife statement and just animal. Um, you know, we know Billie Eilish likes to represent a lot of these things. So a shout out to her. Uh, that's it for the Met Gala. I'm not that interested, to be honest. I wasn't going to spend too much time on it. I just thought there was a couple interesting little uh gowns and messages that i should just you know give you guys but i really don't care about the met gala it means absolutely nothing to me it moves nothing in my life i do not watch it now and i will not watch it ever so shout out to everyone uh it doesn't mean that i look down on anyone who attends it doesn't mean i look down on anyone who you know puts on the show and whatever whatever like serena williams was there everyone a lot of black queens a lot of black kings were in the building so shout out to you guys but it's just, I'm not interested. It just does not pique my interest. I don't care about the Met Gala or any fucking gala. Okay, let's get to some positive news. Some local news. Everyone knows that I'm Canadian, A, eh? And this was the most remarkable two weeks of tennis I have seen in a very long time. I'm a big Roger Federer fan. We know Rogers had, uh, had a setback at Wimbledon. Had to have another knee operation. He'll be gone for months. We know Novak Djokovic, can't stand him, but you got to respect his game. We know he was going for the calendar Grand Slam, which is holding all four majors, winning all four majors consecutively. Be the first, I believe, man or female to do that since 1969. There was a lot going on at the U.S. Open this year. There was a lot at stake. Uh, I'm going to get to Novak Djokovic first, and then I'm going to just give my girl Leila Fernandez the platform. Novak Djokovic, as you know, has 20 Grand Slam titles, tied with Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. Uh, he won the Australian Open this year. He won the French Open this year, beating Nadal in, this, in an epic semifinal and being down two sets to love against Mr. Greek uh, Tsitsipas uh, to come back and win in five there and winning Wimbledon as well. So Novak Djokovic was going for history. Uh, not just to break the men's all-time Grand Slam win record with 21, but to have all four majors at the same time to complete the Grand Slam. Things were looking pretty good for Mr. Djokovic. Uh, you know, he lost a couple first sets. Uh, remember against the 18-year-old Rude, who then tightened up. Uh, lost the first set against Nishikori then beat him in three, lost the first set against the Italian hammer Matteo Berrettini, beat him in four, and then came the semifinals against Alexander Zverev, who I didn't think was going to beat Djokovic, but I knew he was going to go five, you know, they always have close matches, uh, Zverev ended Djokovic's dream of Olympic gold at the Olympics in three sets, so I knew it was going to be a hotly contested match, um... But I just knew that Novak Djokovic's mentality is just in tennis. I think even he said it. And I, I don't agree with a lot of the things that he has to say. But he said something that was really profound. And it is true. All tennis players hit the ball well and they hit the ball hard. It's about the mental aspect of the game. Most NBA players, except for Giannis and Ben Simmons, most elite NBA players can shoot. 
understand, but it's about the mental aspect of the game. Giannis um, would probably, Giannis went, I think it was, he missed some big free throws last year in the finals, but when it really mattered, he went 16 for 17. It's all about the mental part of the game. You could be bad at something, not bad at something, but you could be like not great at something. But if you concentrate, it's like kind of conquering your fears. There's a lot of people who don't want to walk across a bridge because of that fear. But if you just put your mental, if you put your mental in place, you can do it. Um, so anyways, Djokovic did pull that off. He beat Zverev in five sets. Going on to the final. Now, this is kind of bittersweet for me because Daniel Medvedev, who is the U.S. Open champion of this year, he was facing Felix Auger Alcine. I, Felix, forgive me. I can't pronounce. I can't pronounce your last name correctly. Okay, just forgive me. Shout out to you. Yo, enough love. You already know. But he was facing Felix in the uh, semifinals. Another fellow Canadian, another 19-year-old fellow Canadian, and he just beat the brakes off of Felix in straight sets. I felt terrible. It's kind of like bittersweet because Felix is out in the semifinals and then Leila Fernandez in the finals, so it's kind of like, you know. But Medvedev against Djokovic, I knew was going to be a really good final. They had played each other previously in the Australian Open final, and Djokovic won in straight sets. But I had a feeling that this time might have been different. Now, my pick was Djokovic because I just believed that he was going to pull through even if he was fatigued from the long semifinal match, I just believe that mentally he just had the advantage over Daniel Medvedev, who has a history of fucking breakdowns on and off the court. So as I'm watching the final and I'm watching the game go on, go on. After the first set, which Medvedev won 6-4, I said to myself, if Djokovic doesn't win the second set, it's over in straight sets. And I'll tell you why. You could visibly see the legs and the fatigue was was carrying him. Like Medvedev just looked fresh. You know, he just got out of a straight set, uh, straightforward match against Felix in the semifinals. Djokovic, who had to have a very long, epic and emotional five-setter against Zverev. It really just looked like Djokovic was gassed. He was gassed. Even in the third, like in the third set, when Medvedev pretty much broke himself, you know, by double faulting. And when the crowd was, the crowd wasn't, I think this is the big misconception. The crowd wanted to see history, yes, but the crowd weren't necessarily screaming for Djokovic. They wanted a longer match. I mean, this is the, this is a Grand Slam men's final. You don't exactly want to see someone lose in straight sets. You know, I do, I do think that Americans, I mean, people in New York respect Djokovic and respect his game, but, you know, I find it ironic that you're going for major number 21, suddenly New York loves you, and your first 20 majors, eh, eh, you got a so-so response, but that's here nor there. Uh, the most important thing is Daniel Medvedev won his first Grand Slam, beating Novak Djokovic 6-4, 6-4, 6-4, straight sets. He did the dead fish celebration, which I thought was incredible. And you just got to tip your hat off to him. He was the better player on the bigger on the big stage. 
and Djokovic will have to wait for number 21. And I don't think the opportunity to win all four straight majors and hold them at the same time is ever going to happen again. Well, for him, it's never going to happen again, barring, you know. Uh, but I thought it was just, it was a great final. And on the men's side, I think it was, history was going to be made regardless. Because either Djokovic was going to make history or Medvedev is going to go down for stopping history. So I just want to congratulate both players. Uh, I'm not a Djokovic fan by any stretch. Um, I think that he comes from, uh, you know, his father is extremely ignorant with a lot of the comments that he said about Federer and other things in the past. So I just feel the way I feel about him, but I do respect his game. You know, game will re always recognize game. He's, he's a damn good tennis player and you can't take that away from him. He's broken my heart and all the Fed fans hearts many times on grass and on other surfaces. So you just got to recognize game. I don't have to like you personally to respect what you do and how you do it. Moving on to the women's side of the draw, Leila Fernandez. Shout out to my Canadian gal, you know, Leila Fernandez, sweetheart, born and raised here in Montreal, the 19 year old. What a tournament. I'm talking about, if you want to talk about a deserving US Open finalist and champion, Leila Fernandez and Emma uh, Raducanu, okay? I got her name right, yes. We're talking about, I don't want to say an unknown, but a huge underdog and a qualifier. Um, Raducanu is a qualifier who had to play qualifying matches just to participate in the US Open, 18 years of age qualifier. Okay? Leila Fernandez had to defeat Naomi Osaka. Okay? Two-time US Open champion. Number three in the world. Then she had to face former US Open champion and former world number one, Angelique Kerber. Then she had to face former world number one and top five player in the world, Elena Svitolina. Then she had to play number two in the world in the semifinals. God, what's her name again? Amanda, I think Alexis or Amanda Sabalenka. So, Leila Fernandez had to face four straight top ten current or former, including former major champions, just to get to the final. And let's just review here. She was down a set against Osaka came back to win 7-6 in a tie-breaking 6-4. She was down a set against Anjali Kerber, came back in the second set, went down 4-2, bring it to a tie-break, win the tie-break, and win 6-2 in the third. Against Elena Svitol... Oh, gosh, these women tennis players and their long, beautiful names. Elena Svitolina? Yes, I believe that's how you pronounce it. She won the first set, lost second set, but there was an epic tiebreak in the third, and she pulled it out. See, this is the mental part of the game. You're up, the other player comes back, you hold your medal, you hold your mental. You're down, you gotta come back, third set, winner go home, you hold your mental. This is why mental health is so important, because it matters so much in every aspect of life, from work to the court. And finally, in the semifinal uh, against Sabalenka, she won the she won the first set in a tiebreak, lost the second set, held her mental for the 6-4 victory. 
Layla Fernandez has made us all proud. I'm gonna get to the final between her and Radu Kanu in a second. But what she showed was, it doesn't matter if you're a young player, it doesn't matter if you're an underdog. What matters is the dog in you. Okay, that's what matters. The dog in you. It doesn't matter if you're down and out, down a set, down 4-2. Never put the dog down. Never. You keep your mental because everyone, let me tell you something. Everyone in tennis can hit the ball. If you don't know how to hit the ball in tennis, you should put down the racket and the ball. It's about keeping your mental in those key moments, in the moments that matters. Championship points. That's what champions are made of. Overcoming adversity. Daniel Medvedev was serving for the match, and the American, the, those ignorant New York fucking fans were booing him. Which is not allowed in tennis, by the way. That's why there's an umpire that says, quiet, please. They were booing Daniel Medvedev when he was serving. You want to talk about ignorance? But you see, for the women, it was all class. Now we're going to get to the final between Miss Fernandez and Radu Canu. Obviously, I'm Canadian, so I'm biased. I was obviously cheering for Leila Fernandez. I think we all were. But a little part of you just couldn't help but root for 18-year-old sensation Radu Canu. Um, Radu Canu, let me pronounce it properly. To be 18 years old, to be a qualifier, to have to qualify to even participate in this tournament, and for you to go all the way without dropping a set, for you to eventually win the U.S. Open in two sets, and to make history, not just for women, for men, you really got to tip your hat off. The royal family sending her messages. Uh, race car driver Lewis Hamilton sending her message. I mean, the support that she had was just incredible. It was through the roof. And I'm just so, I'm proud of both of these women. Be honest, I'm proud of both of these women. What a two weeks it's been. And I can tell you right now, Felix, I'm proud of you too. Semi-finalist at the US Open. The future is bright, not just for women and men, but for women and men in Canada for tennis. It's just incredible to know that um, Bianca won the US Open. Milos has been in a couple finals, hasn't pulled it off, but we keep taking major steps year after year after year. And it wasn't this year, but maybe it's gonna be the next year. There's four majors. I believe Felix is coming through. I believe Leila Fernandez is coming through. And I believe it's just been an absolute beautiful thing and a beautiful ride to see. Um, just, just to witness it, honestly. Um, to see both players just slug it out, have so much respect for each other when they went to net um, after the match. Both of them emotional, obviously, 18 and 19 respectively. And uh, a little side note to this. Madame Mère Plante, God bless you, Mère Plante, was talking about Leila Fernandez. And uh, I don't know if you guys missed it, but instead of talking about her passion for tennis, Miss Plant decided to make a little gaffe at a press conference and talk about Leila Fernandez's passion for penis. Yes, folks, my mayor of Montreal, my mayor, my beautiful mayor, decided to talk about 
Layla Fernandez, 19 years of age, and her passion for penis instead of her passion for tennis. How you can mix up the two, how you can confuse the two. In this context, I'm not quite sure. It happens to the best of us. But Madame Plante, we know where your mind was at the time, where your mind is. And that is why the word penis came out of your mouth instead of tennis when referring to a 19-year-old Canadian tennis player. That's all I got to say about that. Shout out to Leila Fernandez as uh, finally. And Madame Plante, God bless you and all your wonderful press conferences. And I hope that you've got a gaffe, another gaffe. I, I don't know why I'm saying the word gaffe. I feel like I'm being very franglais in this episode. But I hope you've got some more of those lines for us coming up because that was absolutely classic. You were embarrassed, but let's be honest. You, uh, you, were, kind, you were kind of giggly too as well. So another congr- uh, final congratulations to Leda Fernandez and best of luck for the rest of the season and in the future. Now I want to talk about the very controversial vaccine passports that were made official on September the 1st. As you know, I took a two-week uh, break from potting just to, you know, gain my mental health back. Just going through a couple of things that I had to deal with mentally. The vaccine passport is official. Not for everywhere. Uh, there are still some very few. You know, we know that um, Monsieur Legault and everyone wanted to make it, you know, obligatoire. But there are some restaurants. There are some cafes. There are some places. A couple bars. I'm not going to expose their names. You can do your research. But vaccinate, unvaccinated, you can still go enjoy a meal. You can still go enjoy a drink. Uh, there are still businesses that do understand that not everyone is going to run and get vaccinated. Vaccine passport. Let me tell you something. It's it's really incredible because we're literally being threatened to get injected. Like, I don't want to hear Canadians say, we're listen. I do not want to hear Canadians say that we're free. I do not I do not want to hear that word ever again. Because this is our basic human rights being taken away. This is kind of like a dictatorship. I'm not against anyone getting vaccinated. Let me make that abundantly clear. To everyone that got vaccinated, I am not against you. I have to repeat that really slowly so you guys can fucking understand that. And I'm not against anyone unvaccinated. You want to know why? I'll explain to you why. We came into this earth. First of all, God created the earth. Okay? God created everything we have. We came out of our mother's wombs. Most of us. Okay? We are our own human beings. We are our own persons and people. No person especially no man or woman should tell you force you manipulate you or low-key not physically but mentally emotionally and financially threaten you to inject something in your body to help with a virus that you can still catch after being injected. This is my opinion. Now, the reason why 
I have to get vaccinated or not have to. The reason why I'm going to get vaccinated, it's not even based on me. It's based on other people. That's what it is. Because guess what? Unvaccinated people are getting sick. Unvaccinated people are dying. And although the numbers are a lot smaller, vaccinated people have died. <laughs> vaccinated people are still getting sick. See, this is the whole thing. The reason why certain numbers get released, like I said, in the past is to push the narrative they're trying to reach you. So if they hear, if the topic of the day is, oh, vaccinated people say that, um, if the topic of the day is vaccinated people say that unvaccinated people are the problem, they're going to show the numbers to back that up. And if unvaccinated people say that vaccinated people, you guys are stupid because you guys are still dying and you guys are still getting sick off it and they show the numbers, it goes both ways. Now, because the top levels of government, presidents and blah, 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 because the economy has suffered, because you know how the world works, right? You can't lose too much money. Who cares if you lose 100, 100 human beings? You know how this goes. We, we mean nothing. We're numbers. Remember, one person dies, another one's born. They bear, that they bear you, bye-bye, okay, yeah, God bless, ciao. On to the next. No one cares. So a lot of people have taken the extreme outlook and saying this is kind of like a depopulation kind of thing. I'm not going to go that far. I'm really not going to go that far. But what I will tell you is this. And I don't know about too many conspiracy theories. Like I said, I don't get too much involved. When people start talking about COVID and getting really deep into it and talking about all these theories and it lasts eight, nine hours, I'm not that invested nor am I that interested. What I will say is don't be fooled. People are pushing their narrative. And in America, I mean, they're offering you money they're giving you weed. It's it's ridiculous just to get vaccinated. Now you got the jab. See, I don't. Now you got these these jabs that you gotta take. I, I don't know. I just feel like we're going towards a situation where we're all gonna just have a GPS in our system, and the government's just gonna know our entire lives, like what we do when we take a shit, when we go shopping. I just think that's what's coming. This was the beginning. I think, and this is not. Uh, this is not a knock to the victims. Uh, like I always say, I'm very sensitive about that. Like I don't, I don't want to insult anyone who's lost family members or who's lost anyone when it comes to the COVID-19 pandemic. But listen, this shit's becoming a fucking joke. This is just big business. You got, you got, you got quarantine lotteries now. You know, COVID lotteries. Like this is becoming a fucking joke. It's, it's disgusting. That's what it is. Anytime I'm watching the news and I hear the word COVID, I change the channel. I don't want to hear it. I don't want, I'm not interested. I don't care. I'm not interested. This is becoming, this is almost becoming like clickbait now. Every day there's just something new happening. There's, oh, we discovered this. Oh, we discovered that. Let me tell you something. It's all about money. It's all about money. The reason why the lockdown happened and this curfew and everything happened, the government wanted to see 
how much he can control a population. Remember, not every country locked down. They wanted to see how much we can be controlled and for how long. And FYI, people, they're succeeding. My moon thought of the week this week goes out to one of my favorite rappers and performers and artists, the baby. I spoke about the baby a few weeks back. We all know what happened about the controversy uh, with his comments at the Rolling Loud. Um, you know, him somewhat being canceled, losing some money, getting taken off of festivals and whatnot. But I just appreciate the baby for standing on his own twos, uh, taking the losses like a man, and putting the best foot forward. He's back at it now, releasing great music. Um, he's just, he's on back on top of his game. He's got a dope fire track with Lil Wayne. You gotta go check out the visuals. He's playing like a Joker type. You really gotta go check out the, the visuals. It's a really dope song, but shout out to the baby, man. Just getting back at it. You can't keep a talented artist down. You can't keep a talented black man down. So shout out to his team. You know, sometimes you just need to take that step back in order to take multiple steps forward. And that's what happened. So I personally want to shout out to the baby, shout out to the whole team, shout out to the whole South Carolina, North Carolina, you know what it is. And I'm happy that you black doing, back doing what you're doing, my brother. So shout out to you, King. Thank you everyone for joining me for another episode. I want to thank everyone for their uh, well wishes and all. It's been a tough two weeks mental health wise, but I'm back at it. See you guys next week on the Moon Talks podcast. I love and appreciate all y'all. DM me, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook. Peace, we out.